Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. (laughs) Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! (laughs) Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission, to harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms, to dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership, saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, friends. Happy Friday! Uh, Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And what's getting me through this week is a video game. Shocker. Shocker. For the Nintendo Switch. I know. It's it's called Super Mario Party. Um, I've been playing a lot with my family. It is a ton of fun. It's essentially just a bunch of a bit basically like a giant board game pretty much but it's got all these different twists and turns it's got all the characters you know from like super mario like mario luigi wario princess peach everybody but it's a really cool board game concept uh what makes it different is you have different dice that you can use that help you kind of advance in the game and then also um they have mini games in between that you compete in to help you get coins and other things and so the goal of each game is to basically get the most stars it's a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a nice kind of escape, time waster kind of thing. So if you have a Switch, I'd highly recommend it, especially if you're trying to entertain a lot of people at once. And I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And what's getting me through this week is I finally got my daughter to start watching She-Ra, Princess of Power on Netflix after bugging her for like a year about it. So now we've got like five seasons of this. Um, and she actually she actually digs it. I mean, I, She-Ra is from my like you know, from the 80s and, you know, my childhood. I, I, I was more of a He-Man guy than a She-Ra guy, but I did watch some of the old um, TV cartoons. Um, and then now now with the, the new five seasons of it on um, Netflix, you know, it's my, my daughter's seven. She really digs it. And, you know, because she's doing like this kind of, she's doing like a Zoom, like a Zoom drama class involving superheroes so you know she won like a superhero thing of her own to watch so i i told her about she-ra because it's just like hey you know kind of there's this like you know this warrior and she gets on the you know she she she's you know she worked for the evil side but then she learns how she's working for the evil side and she goes to the good side she gets a sword she turns into like she-ra you know that's a whole superhero origin story um so i think i think for kids you know, maybe they're not ready to do see Iron Man or you know Batman yet, but like She-Ra is an you know, boys and girls. It's it's kind of a cool um, intro to like that whole end of things. So if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Uh, new episodes of the Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. Uh, while you're there, it would be awesome if you could write a quick review about the show. Uh, not only do you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. As a bonus, you get a shout-out on the next episode. So try it out. 
Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. We love the feedback. Everybody wins. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can send an email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. On to the main topic. Here's a clip. Let me show you out back, and then I'll get out of your hair. The stars are insane out here. I should have brought the telescope. What do you need a telescope in the city for? Unless you're like a peeping Tom or something. That was from The Rental, a new horror film out July 24, directed by Dave Franco, about two couples who rent a spacious Airbnb house for a weekend getaway, and things go really nuts. The movie stars Allison Brie, Dan Stevens, and today's special guest, Sheila Vand. You might have seen Sheila in Argo and A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, but she is having a big month. This Sunday is the two-hour season finale of her post-apocalyptic TNT drama, Snowpiercer, starring David Diggs. Sheila, thanks so much for being here. Okay, well, let's start here because, you know, we're obviously all still going through this quarantine thing. How are you holding up during all this? <laughs> oh, how am I holding up? Um, I, it's getting better. It's getting better as I'm adjusting and adapting more to the whole thing. But I got to be honest with you guys, I was an anxious mess for a very long time. Um, it's been scary. It's been It's been scary. Like... I already suffer from anxiety, <laughs> so it just feels compounded by all of these things that I have no control over, essentially. Um, but I do feel like we're finally like in a in a place where culturally or something or just mentally we've adjusted a bit more, and it doesn't feel as much like the world is ending. It's just like okay, there's a there's some precautions I have to take to stay sane and safe, but but the world is the world is still moving and uh, yeah, so I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best I can, but yeah, I want to be honest that that it hasn't all been easy. It's been. It's, how about you guys? Yeah, same. Same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more homeschooling than I've, I'd imagined this year. But oh you know. no, you have kids. <laughs> yeah, we both have kids. Yeah, yeah. But I'm with you on the anxiety thing. It's like all all these little things that we were so used to doing before, like even going to the grocery store. It feels more like anxiety provoking because you're having to watch what you touch. You're having to watch the distance you are from people. Like it's it's just there so is different. so much we took for granted. Like when this thing is over, I'm gonna be like blissed out about the simplest things <laughs> oh totally yeah absolutely so Snowpiercer is an interesting watch right now since we can all relate to being stuck inside and seemingly on a vehicle with class struggles bound for nowhere um what, <laughs> what was the biggest appeal for you about this project because i know it's been kicking around for quite a while at this point yeah i coincidentally very uh kind of like right before I got the audition, I had seen the movie and I really loved the film. Uh, I thought it was just exciting and I, I'm a genre fan, so I love anything that's like sci-fi fantasy and this combined both of those things, but I also love that it was rooted in some, some very real concepts like climate change and social class issues. So it felt like it had, it was just a juicy story and it had a lot of opportunity to explore so many different themes. like taking all of mankind and 
putting it down into this one train creates such a microcosm of all of our human issues. So it seemed to me like a good, good kind of candidate for a TV show, a good, because uh, a lot of times, you know, film to TV, it's a tough transition. It doesn't always work, but it, it seemed to me like this was a world where there was a lot to explore. So your character has had a really cool character arc over the season. Um, what have you really liked about uh, the direction she's taken and where she's heading going into the finale? Yeah, I I appreciate that Zara, I think, you know, she makes some controversial choices. Not everybody thinks that she, uh, you know, like the tail, she left the tail. She came onto the train and was originally for three years in the back of the train, but then got the opportunity to move up train and took it. And as the series continues, you continue to see her sort of move up in this world and, and get the things she wants. And some people think that it was a betrayal that she left the tail of the train, but it's something I really like about her because first of all, I think she doesn't always make the choice you think she's gonna make, but also that she's fiercely independent and a survivalist. She, she has a lot of insight in my opinion to what it actually does take to survive. Like she left her mother behind. There's a part of her that wishes she just that it would have been more noble, you know, to stay back and die with her family. And, but now that she's on the train, I think she's just trying to have a purpose and trying to move forward and survive. And so, yeah, I think it's kind of cool that I, I, I always like characters that are a little uh, in the moral gray, you know, that aren't just good or evil that make questionable choices because I just think that's so human. I think we're, we're all complicated. Nothing is as easy as right or wrong. And I like that sometimes she writes this line of like, what is her motivation? And um, yeah, she's doing, she's a, she's going to keep surviving. She's going to keep trying to make life worth living if, if she has to live it. <laughs> this past weekend with Hamilton coming out on Disney Plus, I think everybody now understands kind of like the wonders of David Diggs. If they didn't know before just how talented that guy is. Um, you play his ex-wife. And you know, kind of sometimes love interest in the in the show. What what did you really kind of enjoy about working with him? You know, on a train. David is the best. Like I feel so lucky that most of my scenes in the show are with him. He's just such a warm-hearted, down-to-earth, grounded person, and a real game player. Like he, his background is in theater as well. I love work, my background is in theater. So. So I, I always like working with people who come from the theater because we have a similar process and we're used to rehearsals, we're used to table work and um, he's always down to talk about the scene and what does it need and if I have a question or I want to like, you know, because in TV you don't, you don't get quite, and film, you don't get as much rehearsal time as a stage so um but and then he's just so talented and we're both from the bay area so we connected over that it's it's pretty chill vibes um <laughs> to be around but he's he's a great kind of leader of the pack he's always looking out for all of us and um it it was just uh, comforting to to feel like uh, i was always acting with with a friend not just a colleague or coworker. So were you able to finish the uh, upcoming second season before the pandemic happened? We actually didn't, but we got very close. We had a couple weeks left when everything shut down. So, uh, you know, I think we're still figuring out wrapping that up. Um, but 
we were in this unique position where we were already shooting season two and season one wasn't out yet. So I do think we got kind of lucky. We were, we were in a good position that we were, we were way ahead as, with our shooting as far as the timeline of when things are getting released. So it wasn't like, oh my God, how are we going to put this out? We didn't finish shooting it. It's like, we're, well, we're kind of ahead, so we'll be okay. And also we had mostly finished, you know, we, we had a little bit left on the last two episodes of the second season. Uh, so I feel grateful. I feel, I, my heart really goes out to people who had just started their season or just started a job and was counting on those paychecks and, and, uh, and then everything, you know. I still don't know when our industry is going to start back up. I don't know if anyone knows. <laughs> well, sp- well, and speaking of that, I mean, you guys did have a socially distanced kind of premiere of sorts for the rental at, a, at, a, at an L.A. drive-in. What was that experience like for you? That was super cool. It was nerve-wracking at first because I hadn't been around that many people since going into quarantine. Like, I had spent the first three months of quarantine secluded in the middle of nature. I sort of, like, fled. (laughs) And um, I, I, I I also just love remote places, and I love nature, so it's a great, great excuse to go run into the woods. Um, But... Uh, so, so at first I was just like, how is this going to work? You know, seeing even just socially, like seeing a bunch of friends, even though we, we kept our distance and all had our masks on, um, you know, I wasn't used to like socializing to that level, but it ended up being super fun. And when we got there, we saw right away that, and I knew they were going to do it all safely. We'd been told that all the protocols were going to be followed, but I, I thought they did such a good job that the Arclight and IFC, like they, they left an empty parking space between each car. So even the cars were social distance from each other and everybody wore masks. Like they handed out popcorn in your own, um, like in its own little plastic thing. So you could put it in your car. You didn't have to do too much exchange. And it was nice to have a semblance of a premiere because you work really hard on a movie and, and, uh, and then you don't see it for a while. And part of the, excitement and getting people you know excited to see it and into those seats is is the premiere and a lot of people a lot of releases this year you know as we know just haven't been able to happen so i was i was so happy that they found a way to safely and responsibly like give us that collective feeling of like oh this is our big night that this movie's coming out and and we can see it on a big screen with a bunch of people and horror movies are one of the best things to watch in a drive-in so it it felt appropriate to to um to do it at a drive-in i'd also never been to a drive-in movie theater so for me it was just (laughs) the whole experience was so fun having people like honk their horns and flash their headlights instead of being able to like cheer and hear each other was it it was fun i still felt supported and that kind of like friends and family love you get at a premiere we got to have some version of that so the rental is really interesting because it's a thriller, but it focuses a lot on modern aspects of life, like, you know, renting property online, also surveillance in light of the way technology has advanced. Uh, you know, what are some areas of the movie um, that you really like as far as, you know, the topics that it explores? Yeah, there's like, I mean, it, it mashes up so many different things that I like. The, the element of privacy and surveillance that you brought up is definitely one of the big ones because I feel like it's 
it's so close to home. It's something that we all deal with right now. Like we sign away our privacy every time we download an app. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not reading every single one of those service <laughs> terms and agreements before hitting accept. So we just kind of sign it away. And so much now works digitally and we carry our cell phones around with us, which are just recording devices and cameras and, you know, not to get like conspiracy theorists or woo woo about it, but we, we do sign a lot of that away. And I, I'm, I was excited that the part of the horror of this movie was playing off of that paranoia of is somebody watching me? Is somebody spying on me? I'm in this stranger's home. Um, but it also plays off of other paranoias like infidelity is is, is this person cheating on me? What, what's going on? And also uh, racial profiling, which my, there is a moment that my character experiences discrimination because she tries to get this Airbnb and her request is denied. And she has a very Middle Eastern name, Mina Mohammadi, but then Dan Stevens' character, who's a white guy, applies for the Airbnb and his request gets accepted. And so I love that Dave included that element, especially as a Persian American actress. Like, I don't, get to see that kind of representation that often and that kind of like microaggression, that kind of discrimination that is, that is, that is still racist. Even if it's micro racist, it's still racist. It's still painful when you experience it and it affects your life. Like you don't get to, you know, from things as small as getting a vacation rental to things as huge as getting, you know, a job or healthcare. Um, so I, I was happy that even though the movie's not about that, you know, or it's not about necessarily infidelity, it, it, it takes these really human things, these really human fears and paranoias. And that's actually kind of where the horror begins. It's psychological. And then it, and then it sort of all unravels from there. <laughs> Well, and it's based a lot of modern horrors. Like, you know, I've I've never I've I've never had the you know, I've traveled and stuff, but I've never wanted to like do the Airbnb thing because, you know, I'm not that I'm worried that like there's gonna be like cameras in the showers, but I'm a deep sleeper. I don't know who's gonna gonna come in, like slit my throat or something. I just So don't you don't it. do it? You don't no, do it? No, 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 not not at all. And that's I do it so much. Well I was gonna ask you, like, <laughs> have have you rented Airbnb before? And like, do you have any horror stories? I I rent Airbnbs all the time. And actually, the funny thing is the first time I saw the rental, I was in an Airbnb. So it was <laughs> particularly horrifying. Um, and the reason is that, like, I'm just a bit of a gypsy, like, because of my lifestyle being an actor. And I don't know if it's just gypsy blood or what, but I'm, I'm very nomadic. Um, as I'm getting older, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to settle down and lay down some roots a lot more. But, like, most of my adult life I've just been like all over the place I love traveling I love experiencing new cultures like since work has me traveling anyways like even when I have signed a lease and gotten a home I'm like never there so it's like doing rentals and Airbnb it's been a big part of my life and thankfully I, I haven't had any horror stories that I know of it's one of my biggest fears ever to be spied on in that way. It's, it's horrifying to me. And that's another reason I wanted to do the movie was because I feel like sometimes the way I conquer my fears is by just like confronting them completely and like exercising them. And so I was like, oh, this is kind of an opportunity to go all the way into this, like pretending that the worst case scenario actually happens. And somehow that helps me in some therapeutic way. Um, but 
yeah, it's it's a crazy thing of, of trust with with being in somebody else's home. But the truth is they're trusting you too, you know, like you're a stranger True. to them as well. So it goes both ways. And I, I do think generally people are good people. Like generally you just have to believe that people aren't creeps, even though there's so <laughs> many creeps out there. But Airbnb does, you know, a bit of vetting. They probably could do a better job. Like, but, but there, there's some, there's reviews. There's a, uh, there's, but yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it, comes down to trust and, and I do like supporting that it is supplemental income for a lot of people you know like it it helps people economically a lot and in general like in just philosophically like I love the idea of like sharing resources and sharing like maybe you can't afford a vacation home somewhere but it's nice to go for and 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 it is nicer than a hotel often it's cheaper than a hotel and you get your own kitchen yeah. and 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 when we first finished shooting this, there was a bunch of articles that came out about hidden cameras at Airbnbs. So it, it's a thing. Like it could. I don't want to freak people out. I <laughs> mostly don't want to freak myself out. Um, but but yeah, you. I don't know. I think I think mostly though people are good people. Like it's it's a it's a lot of steps you have to take to to do something that. And and if you get caught, it will ruin your life. You'll you'll be thrown in jail. So maybe I should probably like I should probably be uh, scouring the place for cameras more <laughs> often when I first get there. Yeah. I was gonna say your next rental night, you're gonna go looking at the corners. And I know pulling up. Yep. <laughs> so horror is a, a genre that you spent some time in um, in your career. Is that one that speaks to your artistic side? It does. It does. Like I. I think that, well, all genre movies, I feel there's more imagination and creativity there because you're not beholden to naturalism. You're allowed to sort of bend the rules of reality and and horror particularly, where I feel like it's it's so creatively satisfying for me is that I love the way it's just allowed to be melodramatic in a way that other things can't be. Somehow horror, you know, because it's about horror itself horror that feeling is melodramatic it's theatrical you you get this ability to just take things to a more heightened level that i don't always get to do and i really love that i love being able to just unleash myself in a movie or unleash a fear like i said earlier or or even in the acting like it was um you know i've been now in movies where i've been the killer in horror movies and i've also been in movies where i've been killed and there's something uh maybe it's perverse i don't know but <laughs> something quite therapeutic about both like it's like especially as a female like to the act of like i know when i did a girl walks home at night i was like wow it feels what a powerful feeling to just be like i'm a vampire and if i wanted to take someone down i could and not in a sadistic way. I'm a very nonviolent person. I'm terrified of guns and, you know, I, violence scares me. But, um, but also just as a, as a woman, like you go into the world really vulnerable sometimes. And it's, it's nice to just feel power for a second of like, you know, screw this feeling that like, I, I'm a target. I just want to, but I, I am, and I have to be very safe when I move through the world. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm small and I'm, I have vulnerabilities no matter how tough I feel on the inside. Um, so it's fun to exercise that. And then on the other hand, getting killed is also, there's like something 
therapeutic about just like screaming and getting that out and 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 like like I said in the beginning of this podcast like I suffer from anxiety and and so sometimes it's nice to just really go right into the center of that and it feels like you've exercised the demon a bit you've you've been like okay I just gave you what you wanted fear I I let you be scared now uh, you can kind of like let that go or something um but acting wise, it's just nice to, to dial it up. You know, in the theater, you get to do that more often. You can play things a bit bigger, but in film and TV, with how close the camera is and with that medium, you often have to subdue things so much that I feel sometimes suffocated. So when I do horror, I get to, I get to go big and I, I love that. Have you picked up any new hobbies or like even maybe dusted some, some old ones off while in quarantine? <laughs> no new hobbies um mostly like trying to keep up with the state of the world which is you know been very extra turbulent this year and and some of the changes that we're seeing in the world with black lives matter and even with the things i think coronavirus is bringing out about like the environment and the way we treat each other and and health care for like people who are getting sick like it's been pretty important to me to stay on top of that stuff and um to try to push a lot of that progress forward in whatever way that I can. And so I really haven't had that kind of quarantine. I know some people have had where I'm like learning a new language and cooking all these new things. I'm like trying to just like deal with my anxiety. <laughs> and, um, but I have watched a, like a lot of films have helped me get through it. And um, I've been watching a lot more movies than ever before. And trying to um i have a project called medicinal music that i'm just self-releasing on my instagram i put the first episode out this monday i'd love for you guys to see it it's my instagram is at don't worry it's sheila it's a very goofy silly kind of i call it a psychedelic mr rogers that explores mental health issues and the use of music um to heal and it's it's a it's a goofy project that doesn't take itself too seriously and so I, I dab been been trying to kind of use this time to do things I wouldn't normally do you know like to be a little more playful and I've been I was supposed to go to clown school right when coronavirus hit and uh and that got shut down in France it's always been like a dream of mine to go take a clown class in France and so since that went away, I also on my Instagram posted, I, I created a clown called Stressy Ophira. She <laughs> reads, she reads too much news and she's always stressed and living in complete horror. So again, I'm trying to like exercise my demons creatively, but um, I also, I, I wanted to say what I said about the state of the world, because I do think it's important even, even in these entertainment sorts of interviews to, to remind people that like, there's a lot going on right now in our country and we all really need each other. And um, I'm trying to push the American experiment, you know, towards success. <laughs> I'm trying to do my little part, even if it's just by being a clown half the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you'd like to travel a lot. Um, how challenging was it for you with a quarantine? Because obviously with that, you can't really move around as much. How difficult was it for you to kind of to do that knowing how much you love to travel it's hard i really miss it i really miss it and i you know again it's like i uh, there's bigger fish to fry than like me wanting to travel i'm just i uh, just most of them, 
I, I can't, that's one of the things I can't wait to go back to. I'm trying not to like do what I always do, which is just like magnet towards darkness. Um, <laughs> keep it a little bit more light. But um, yeah, I was, I, we just finished shooting Snowpiercer. So I'd been kind of stuck in Vancouver for six months. And even though it's a really beautiful place, it's not my home. And um, you know, six months anywhere. And like I said, I'm a gypsy. I start getting antsy. So I had all these travel plans lined up. Um, I was going to be, I was trying to go to Cuba for fun because it was a big job. I had just worked and I'm a, I'm a workaholic. So I've learned as I've gotten older that I have to take vacations once in a while. Like you have to take breaks. You can't just work yourself to the bone or you'll, or you'll burn, burn out. Um, so I was going to do that. And then I was going to do the clown school in France. And then I had plans to go explore Berlin. I've never been to Germany. And I, I've been thinking about trying to move somewhere that's cheaper to live besides New York or LA. Um, I actually, when we're later, would love to know about Virginia and Maryland as options because I'm like, you know, we live in a really big country there's places outside of this damn industry where I can live and still do this. Um, but all of those plans just got shut down. And so um, that's why I ended up renting an Airbnb, like out in the middle of the desert and then later in the woods um, to just kind of be secluded. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to stay sort of close to family. Um, but, but it's been hard. I miss, like, I, I really thrive off of moving around and meeting new people and, it's something that feeds me. But the good thing is that because I do that so much, like I, I don't really stay put. And this, I do think I've been able to work on some things in this time that have been really fruitful that I wouldn't have unless I was just stuck in this one, you know, stuck at home. Well, going through Snowpiercer, one of the things that kind of really kind of spoke to me was just kind of like, you know, how packed it is like in the tail and even like in the in the first class car. And I'm thinking, you know, and then now, you know, because of everything that's happening, you're a lot you're a lot like, well, how are these actors going to go back and do another season of this? You know, and, you know, with the world as it is for you as one of those actors, what is your biggest concern about going back to work in a pre-vaccine world? Yeah, I, I'm totally like concerned about it. I, I, because there isn't, it's hard to control it. And especially like you said, with a show like that, it's all indoors. It, it's, there's a lot of extras, but I think there are ways, like if, if there are scenes, I, I think maybe a material is going to have to sort of mold towards precautions, like maybe more outdoor scenes, less scenes with tons of extras in them, things like that. There, I've, I've heard, because, you know, in the UK, they're already starting to get back, but their numbers are a lot better than ours right. as far as cases go and stuff. Um, but I know for their reopenings, there's like, you, you have to get tested once you get there, then you quarantine. And I think it's a matter of like a lot of testing. So now they're adding a bunch of budget just for like, testing people regularly, which means, I don't know how indie movies are going to survive if you have to add an extra million dollars just for these like quarantine precautions. Um, but I, I'm definitely like, I'm not going back until I feel safe uh, because I have asthma and a lot of older relatives. And, you know, I just, I don't want to expose myself or anybody else at all. Just, just, you know, because I'm being impatient, but um, right. you know, I, I, We'll see. We'll see how it how it goes. But it's funny with Snowpiercer. You're absolutely right that it's like that we're stuck inside. It's different from what we're going through now because at least people can touch and like interact with each other. Right now, we're all 
stuck inside, but kind of on our own. Um, so I have no idea how it's going to translate as things move forward. But it's even before coronavirus was a very unique experience to do something that confined. Like it, it does get claustrophobic, but it sort of feeds the work, I think. Because I think all these people on Snowpiercer in the world of Snowpiercer also feel claustrophobic. Right. You can't do any really outside scenes because it's negative 200 degrees out there. <laughs> Unless maybe season three will all be like flashbacks. Or something. Everybody in suits. Everybody in suits just walking around in the ice. <laughs> yeah. Or that. Exactly. Hazmat suits. And then that wouldn't be so bad. But yeah, it was actually a great idea. They, they should take you up on that. They go out and then uh, it'll become like a space show. Yeah. <laughs> so so looking ahead to your career down the road, um, do you have a next project right now? I do have a feature film uh, that's supposed to shoot in September, but that's like pending um, everything. You know, how will I be able to do it safely and whether states are even allowed to do things. That was supposed to shoot in June, so it just kind of keeps getting push but that's a feature film by a really incredible contemporary artist named Shirin Nashat who is an Iranian American artist who started out in like video and visual art but now this will be her third feature film and she and I actually made kind of the short film versions of this feature last year and it was put up at the Broad Museum in Los Angeles they did her retrospective because she's been making art for over three decades she's incredible uh, and um so I'm really excited about this project. It's called Land of Dreams. And it's kind of like an intersection of all of her work, her like video artwork, her visual artwork, her narrative work. And it's a little bit more on the art house side of things, which is really kind of where my heart is at. It's like, I love things that just push the boundaries in that way, like indie movies that don't feel beholden to like a huge studio or a bunch of executives. Um, it's often just a little bit more of a collaborative and creative process. So yeah, we're doing the feature version of these shorts that we had up in the museum last year. And hopefully we'll be able to do it by the end of the year. It seems like maybe these hotter months are more safe for the virus. But again, like I said, before having a vaccine, like I'm not sure any of us can really say 100% that it's that it's safe to do. You guys are lucky you do a podcast. You can do it. <laughs> Just start your own podcast. Everybody else is Honestly, I've like, it's crossed my mind. I'm like, I guess this is our world now. Hey, anything's possible. You could see Zoom and horror. Any, there, there's so many <laughs> no, possibilities. No, there is a Zoom here. horror movie coming out. Yeah. I'm next month. Yeah. It's, it's already happened. They've already taken care of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you've also got The Wave, which I saw as part of the online Chattanooga Film Festival, which was really interesting. Um, and then I guess that, that's still waiting for a release date. But I think that, like you mentioned, kind of like, tri you know, trippy genre films. That's another. That's <laughs> very trippy, one. that one. Yeah. 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 I think that one may be on demand, actually. Um, I'm not sure which streaming service, but I'm sure it's it's out there on the interweb. There's so many services now. It's like hard to keep track of the contracts. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the wave was was really fun because, like I said, yeah, it's just. It's nice to do movies that, that push the limits in that way. It just gives you a little more space to play and, and take risks. And uh, I, get, I get bored after a while of naturalism. I'm just like, I, I have to see the real world around me all day long. Like, I, I don't necessarily want to do that at work. Like, I feel like part of the reason we, we all go into this business is because like we, we don't want to grow up. <laughs> and so right. 
um, I like pretending. I like I like when I feel like I can be transported. Um, yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us. It was great having you, and, and best of luck with everything in your career. Thank you, guys. Take care. Stay All right. safe. Are you too? Take care. Okay, listeners, it's your turn. Have you been watching Snowpiercer? Are you looking forward to the finale? Uh, let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23 And I'm at Brian Truitt. And Sheila is not on Twitter, but she is on Instagram. You can follow her on the account. Don't worry, it's Sheila. Don't forget, you can email us too. We're at mothershippod at usatoday.com. But we're going to wrap things up here. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, again, please, please, please leave us a rating or a review. Helps other people find the show, and we get great feedback. It's wonderful. Um, if Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, so that'll do it. Till next week, nerds out. Later. Later.